Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Philippians, and we're going to read in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read again the first uh, 10 verses. Do you have your Bible there? You follow with me? If you haven't a Bible, then maybe you'll share with some of the rest. Philippians chapter 4. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think in these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. We'll end the reading there at verse 9, and we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 4 and the verse 3, and my theme today is the life of laboring together in the gospel. The life of laboring together in the gospel. Now these words were penned by the Apostle Paul from his prison cell at Rome. They were written to the church at Philippi. A church that the Apostle Paul under God had helped found during his second missionary journey. He was instrumental in that place of seeing precious souls saved. Think of Lydia, the seller of purple. Think of the demon-possessed girl who was delivered from the demon. Think of the Philippian jailer and his house, to mention but a few. And those that were saved then uh, come together to, to form what we call a New Testament a- a- assembly. And uh, into that assembly, God gifted them a a godly pastor, a teaching elder. God raised up ruling elders. God gave to that church a a body of spirit-filled, spirit-anointed deacons. And of course, um, many members were added to that church. And that church was strong uh, for the Lord. The Apostle Paul, I believe, had taught them and and trained them to work together as a team for the sake of the gospel. Now Paul's in prison and he learns that this church is facing many dangers and many challenges and those challenges are coming from without and from within. I want you to remember that this church, this 
church that was located in Philippi. Philippi was in itself a, a Roman colony, so it was full of Roman influence. The dress, the architecture, soldiers on the streets, even the, the food that they ate. And of course, add into that mix the, the pagan religion that was there in Philippi. Philippi was not a total Christian community. The church was in the midst of a pagan religious city. And, and here Paul writes to the church. And he's writing to encourage them. He's wanting to, them to live out the gospel in Philippi. He, he, he's writing to help them. He wants them to be joyful. Hence the theme, rejoice in the Lord. And of course, be joyful is one of the major themes of the book. With an issue of disunity in the church. There's a disagreement. A dispute had arisen between two co-workers in the Lord. Now that dispute and that disagreement could have been between themselves. In other words, two women had fallen out. They were loggerheads. Some petty trifling issue. Or could it have been that the two women's disagreement or dispute was really with the Apostle Paul and himself? You see, their disagreement and dispute could have been with him. It could have been with the church, maybe sending Epaphroditus and Timothy. We don't want them to go to Rome. We need them here. But what if Epaphroditus falls sick in the way? It could have been the issue of the gift that Epaphroditus brought. It could have been the fact that Paul was in prison himself. Maybe they were embarrassed. Maybe they felt, well, this is not helping the spread of the gospel. This is not a positive image. The, the chief man's in prison. But whatever the disagreement was, whether between themselves or between the two of them together with the Apostle Paul, Paul wrote in order that these two women, out of step with the man of God, the church of God, and the mind of God, hence the personal exhortation, whatever the disagreement was, whether between themselves or, or directed against the Apostle Paul, the danger was that this disagreement, this dispute, was spreading into the congregation. And it was bringing disunity that was affecting the church and hence affecting the spread of the gospel. Remember the Lord Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I want to tell you that's true of our own families. But that's also true of the church family. That's true of this congregation. And that's true of our denomination. Right across the board. A house divided against itself. Cannot stand. And that's why we need unity of purpose. And that's why we need to maintain the purity of the gospel. The apostle Paul was well aware of this danger. Hence the appeal to these women. I beseech Judas and beseech Syntyche that they be what? Of the same mind in the Lord. And now he issues the third exhortation. To live a life of laboring together in the gospel. Listen to these words. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. I want you to notice three things here very quickly. I want you to think, first of all, of the faithful worker addressed by Paul. Notice these words, and, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. 
Now, we'll pause there. Who was the Apostle Paul addressing here? Now, the simple answer is this. We don't know. And I'm not going to speculate. We're not going to go into conjecture. Some commentators have argued it's Epaphroditus. Some say it's Timothy. Some say, well, it must be the minister that's been gifted to the congregation. He's an unknown individual. He's unnamed. I just want you to notice that Paul addresses him personally. I entreat thee also. Not only did he address these women, he said, I entreat thee also. This man's addressed passionately. Think of the word entreat. It's the same word as beseech. It means implored. It means pleaded with. It's a very strong word in the Greek. Paul is asking an individual in Philippi to do something. And as he pleads with him, he's pleading with us from his heart. This is a very passionate instruction. He's addressed publicly. Because this is a letter to the whole church. This letter was read publicly to the congregation. It was open for all to hear. And this man is singled out, whoever he was, from all the rest. I want you to understand that. And we've asked the question, who is the Apostle Paul talking about? Epaphroditus? Timothy? The minister? We don't know. I want you to notice also he's addressed pictorially. He's described a true yoke fellow. Now, now think of farming. Think of a team of oxen. Think of two oxen yoked together to go out and work in the field. Those oxen have to stand together. They have to walk together. And they have to work and pull the yoke together. One oxen can't start headbutting the other. One oxen, if it's awkward and, and the other's not, and one's pulling one way and one's pulling another way, well, it's not going to get the job done. And you see, Paul has this brother in mind in the church at Philippi. And Paul thinks of him as a true yoke fellow. He's yoked with Paul in the work of the gospel. But I have no doubt that Paul also thinks the fact that this man is yoked to Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In the work of the gospel, this true yoke fellow is yoked to me, but he's also yoked to Christ. In other words, he's in relationship as well as partnership. Think of the address pointedly. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Now the commentators believe it includes the two women, Eodius and Syntyche. Remember, one means fragrant and the other means fortunate. And there's a disagreement. We saw this last week. And it's led to a dispute. And and it's affecting the work of God. And, and, And this man has been asked to labor and to work and to do his best to exert his influence to bring about healing and reconciliation so that the conflict, whether it's between themselves or between them and Paul, is, is put away. And as I've already told you, his identity is withheld. Now, now think of this. This address that's very personal. This address that's passionate. 
This address that's public. This address that's pictorial. This address that's pointed. What can we learn about this unnamed individual? Could I just suggest this morning what the Lord gave me as I meditated and prayed over this? He was a saved man. He's described here as a yoke fellow. You see, before the man was a servant of the Lord, engaging in the hard work of the gospel, this man discovered that he needed to be saved. I believe this man was yoked to Christ, as I said. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. There was a time when that man did that. When this man was brought into saving union with Christ. This man had a testimony to the saving and keeping power of the gospel. He could think of a date and a time when he's brought the faith in Christ. When he repented of his sin before God and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to become his Lord and Savior. Remember, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I asked this morning, what about you? All of us this morning, I want to ask, young or old, are you born again of the Spirit? Have you a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ? Could you be described as a saved individual, a saved boy, girl, man or woman? Are you washed in the precious blood of Christ? Remember, before you can serve the Lord and before you can do a work for God, you need to be saved. You see, there's many serving the Lord in Northern Ireland today, whether they're ministers of the church, whether they're elders or or even deacons. And and they're not saved. They're serving, but they're not saved. Many are religious, but but they're not redeemed. They're not in a personal relationship with Christ. So what was this man like? I I tell you, this man was a saved man. He was a a yoke fellow. He was yoked to Christ. I, I believe also he was a spiritual man. Notice what Paul said. Look at the text. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. There was many women helpers in the gospel in those days. That was true in the first century. And of course, that's true today. And we thank God for the women and we thank God for you. And I mean that most sincerely. I don't don't say that lightly. We need many more godly women. I was at a funeral this week and I dear lady come up to me and she says really good to see you um, the late Mrs. McKelvey was a good godly woman and this younger woman said to me you know the problem today Mr. McLaughlin in the church I said, well what is it Heather she said there's not enough of godly women they're getting few and far between and we need many more and we need young women who, 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 who'll become Godly in the sight of the Lord and do all they can to help promote the gospel in their day and generation. You see, in the first century, dear women, the majority of women were despised. They they were downtrodden. They they were treated like doormats. They they needed help. They needed encouragement. They needed to be loved. And, And they found that in the church. And these two women, Eodius and Syntyche, because of this disagreement, this dispute... As I said, whether between themselves or between the possible, was affecting the church. They they were no longer helping and working and serving to promote the gospel. Maybe the two had quit the work. 
Maybe they agreed between themselves, you know what, we're not going to help any longer. I don't like this. Epaphroditus sent away, or Paul in prison, or this monetary gift being sent. I'm upset. And if the dispute was between the two selves and the man of God, they were probably mad and angry in their heart. And it was something trivial, something that was petty, and it's not mentioned. And I already told you last week, both were mentioned. Two of them were singled out. Both were saved. Both were servants because they were involved in the labor. Remember, the word labor means hard work, manual labor, strenuous tasks. Both were sinners born again of the Holy Spirit. And both needed to be reconciled to the Lord. And both needed to re-engage in the work. And this situation that had arisen needed to be handled in a very spiritual way. And, and, And the Apostle Paul singled this man out. Whoever he was, this unnamed individual whose identity is withheld. And he's singled out for a specific spiritual task. Look with me in your Bible at um, the book of Galatians. Turn back to Galatians chapter 6. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. See, what did Paul want? He wanted this unnamed individual, who was a saved man but a spiritual man, he wanted him to go to both. Eudius and Syntyche. He wanted him, no doubt, to, to pray with them. He, he wanted him to open the scriptures and tell them, Thus and thus saith the Lord. He, he wanted him to tell them that they were both wrong, whether they'd fallen out with each other or they'd fallen out with the man of God who was in prison. He, he wanted him to instruct both of these women to repent. To, to come to the place where they would say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. You see, that's a very important part of pastoral ministry. Remember what we read in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we read, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here he mentions bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice, six sins that we all can be guilty of. And it's all to be put away, it's to be put under the blood. And then notice this, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Paul needed a spiritual minded man who would be fit to handle this situation. One who would attempt to restore ones who had fallen in the church. Ones who had been overtaken in a fault. And the word um, in Galatians, when he says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. The word restore means to, to, to knit together. To, to mend. Because you're a spiritual-minded man, I want you to help to mend this relationship. Help these women to settle their difference. What's a petty difference in light of eternity? 
What's a petty difference in light of perishing souls? Could I tell you something else? This was a sincere man. Go back to the text. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. Do you see this? I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. See that word true? Underline it. You know what it means? It means genuine. This was a sincere man. He was a true worker. He was a genuine laborer. See, he's building up a picture here of this man. The man was saved. He's a yoke fellow. This man was spiritual. I have a job for you to do. I need a spiritual-minded man. That This man was sincere. Paul couldn't have chosen a better man. This man loved the Lord. He was loyal to the Lord. This man was laboring for the Lord. And, and, and this man was living the Christian life. Did you know that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 24, the words, proof of your love. Paul had already told this church, prove things that are excellent. Philippians 1 and 10. This man proved the sincerity of his love to the Lord. And I want you, individually, I want us collectively to prove the sincerity of our love. Remember the Lord Jesus said, lovest thou me? To Peter more than these. His response was, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Let's prove our love by our attendance in the house of God in the Sabbath, by, by being in our place. Let's prove our love for the scriptures. The psalmist said, Oh, how I love thy law. Let's prove our love to the saints. Let's, let's pray one for another. Let, let's plod on together. Let, let's plead together the cause of God. Let's prove our love to the souls of men when we think about our families and beyond who are perishing in sin. And let's put away petty differences and, 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 and mere trifles. This was a sincere man. He had already proved his love and loyalty that he was living for the Lord. I'll tell you something else. And this is only the first point in our times going. He was a serving man. Remember this word, yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also. Remember I told you about the two oxen. Illustration from farming. The oxen have to pull together in the same direction. What happens if one oxen decides to pull in a different direction? The two oxen have to be agreed in the yoke. Even though we have all different personalities and different tastes and different likes. We have to work together. We have to walk together. Amos said, can, can, can two walk together except to be agreed? This, this word labor here is very strong. It, it means to, to strive. It, it means to, to, to agonize. It, it speaks of toil and strenuous task and, and hard work. Not against the gospel. Paul says, not against me do you strive. But strive together. Strive alongside each other. Be a team. Remember what I told you. Together everyone achieves more. We're to walk together. We're to worship together. We're to witness together. We're, we're, we're to work together. And if we don't walk and witness and work together and worship together, then the work of God will be affected. The work of God will suffer. 
There's a story told about a gospel mission three or four weeks in length. The minister noticed into the third week that there was such a hardness in the gospel meetings. There was no outward sign. There was no sense really of the Lord's presence. He, he just felt, you know, working through the motions here. This is really a waste of time and effort. No, nobody was getting saved. No, no strangers were coming in. People were sitting there with big long faces like lurking spades. And they were just going out and coming in. And, and nothing was happening. He, in the third week, preached a message to believers about unity, about working together, about putting away their, their, their petty differences. He used this text of scripture in Romans 15 in the verse 30. Now, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The word strive is the same word, that ye labor. It involves strenuous task, effort, discipline, um, 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 agony. It's all tied in. And as he preached the message, he discovered that there were some in the church not speaking to each other. Putting on a show. And the show was sharp. And he urged them to repent and get right with the Lord. And those that had fallen out and stopped speaking to other, they got reconciled. And you know, before the end of the mission, there were souls saved, and that church went on for many years and decades and had much blessing for God. See, these women, he wanted them to think. I want you to be of the same mind in what? In the Lord. Remember the Lord Jesus who made himself of no reputation. Who, who humbled himself. Being found as fashion as a man. Took the form of a servant. Philippians 2 and 7. Think about the Lord. Learn from him. Love him with your heart. Yearn to live like him. He's the greatest servant of all. You're, you're really little Christ on earth. And it was in this capacity this man served the Lord. That was the faithful worker that was addressed. Very quickly. The faithful workers associated with Paul. Not only the faithful worker addressed by Paul, but the faithful workers associated with Paul. You see, he mentions here those laborers. If you look at the text, a true yoke fellow unnamed. Those women that had to include Eodius and Syntyche. Plus unnamed ones, there was many more women, uh, because he, he says that helped those women which labored with me in the gospel. A, a man by the name of Clement, we don't know who he was. We do know he was in Philippi, Clement and Philippi, there's a Clement of Rome, not the same person. And then he adds, with other my fellow laborers. I, I want you to notice, not only is the mention of laborers, but there's many laborers. And they're not all named. Do you ever think why? Is it not because there are many ordinary Joes in the church? Average Joe. I'm one of them. Many ordinary people. Ordinary believers. It was Spurgeon that said, The Lord Jesus must love so many ordinary people in the church. Because he gifted the church so many ordinary people. Isn't that tremendous? The average Joe never gets much recognition. He's usually treated lightly. He's really thought of, well, he's a nobody. It doesn't matter much. Of course, the average Joe takes the place of humility before the Lord and sees himself as an unprofitable servant, a worm and no man. 
not, not deserving the least of the Lord's blessings. And yet the wonderful thing it is that they're all fellow laborers together. They're mentioned, even though they're unnamed. And there's many of them. And every church needs the help of many workers. This church couldn't function if I was just me as the minister. This idea of a, of, of a, a, a one-man ministry, you know, it's nonsense. Because who would play the organ, Barbara? It certainly wouldn't be me. You wouldn't get a note. And, and who would do the sound if we hadn't Brother Mark? And, and who would man the door and put the lights on and the heat on if we hadn't faithful deacons? And, and who would make the tea, ladies? I, I would have a tin of biscuits and pass them round, still in the tin, and bring the milk bottle, that's the plastic ones, and bring it round, and you'd be given off. And, and who would do the washing up? Well, these wee hands are not good with fairy. I, I'm sorry. And, and what about the outreach? Who, who would labour in prayer if it was just me? And, and, and who would I preach to if you didn't come? You see, you've got to be faithful in attendance. And, 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 and who would help me to win others to Christ? You bringing in family members and friends on the family and friends night. You see, we're, we're all working together. Do you see that? We're mentioned, but there's many. Can I just add this? There's many mystery workers. You see, not all the names are given. I, I was reading this week of Romans 16, and some of the names are hard to pronounce. And uh, if I hadn't Alexander Scorby to help me with the pronunciation, I would be in difficulty. Uh, Dr. Ken Elliott, of course, is now in the glory, so I can't phone him and say, how do you pronounce that, uh, Dr. Elliott? But in Romans 16, there's a list of about 31 names, and they're all identified. But in Philippi, there's a few known. We, we, we've got Epaphroditus and Timothy mentioned. We know Clement is mentioned, Eodius and Syntyche. But there's many names not known. And yet these also accomplished great things for the Lord. Do you know, think about our missionary work. Let's mention some missionaries this morning. Hudson Taylor, C.T. Studd, Jonathan Goforth, William Carey to India, David Brainard to the uh, natives of North America. But, but, but there's thousands of more missionaries. And they've all gone at the call of God, saved men to become servants and women as well of the Lord. They've sacrificed much. We probably have never heard of them. And yet they're doing a great work for God. They're doing a faithful work. Think about preachers. George Whitfield, John and Charles Wesley, C.H. Spurgeon, well, we quote him regularly, a great Baptist preacher. Robert Murray McShane, Horatius Bonner, Andrew Bonner, Calvin, Knox, Zwingli. You know, Luther, but there's many more men just as faithful, and their names are never heard of, never talked about. Maybe not even prayed for outside their circles. But what does it matter? Whether we're a missionary of the cross, a minister of the gospel, it's all done unto him. And while there's mention of laborers, and there's many of them, and there's a mysterious element about them, the ministry is always unto him. It's for him. It's, in fact, it's of him because he has gifted us. And it's to him. And it's all done in his strength and his power. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here. He's not just mentioning a few companions. He wants them to cooperate together. To work together. 
to help the spread of the gospel. They're in a relationship with the Lord, and he wants them to continue in this partnership. Think of the other little ships that came to help the ship that was laden with the fish. And you're like the little ships. And together, I believe we can reap a great harvest for God. And we can eventually see these pews all filled up. I live in light of that. I believe God's going to do that. And I believe we're going to see great things come in days to come. The faithful workers associated with Paul. One final thing, and our time is gone. The faithful workers assured by Paul. Now, now look at the end of the text. I have to tell you something. I'm itching to get to verse 4. And I would have loved to jump into verse 4. And I was thinking, oh, I'll get there next week, Lord. But look at this wee text, at the, at the, uh, this wee phrase at the bottom. Whose names are in the book of life. Do you see that? Isn't that a wonderful statement? All these mentioned laborers, and the many of them that's unnamed, and the mysterious element about them, they're all ministering to him. Their names are in the book of life. To me, that speaks of Paul, who's full of confidence about them. Paul's great assurance of them. It's a note of certainty, a note of satisfaction, a note of victory. Why rejoice in the Lord? Here's one of the reasons. Your names are in the book of life. Remember we sing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I was just thinking in Presbury on Friday night, you see, when we meet in a Presbury meeting, um, uh, Carrie Duff was called out and I have to shout, here. And that's what we did the same in school, remember. Here. And um, I just want to ask this. When the Lord calls the roll and he brings out the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, will you be present when your name is called? Now, now there's much to say about this book. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave it the next week. This faithful workers that were assured by Paul, their names are in the book of life. And we're going to preach on that next Sunday morning before we get to the word rejoice. There's much in the book about that statement. But I just want to say this. Make sure your name's in it. Could you do that this morning? Do you know that your names are in the book? I want to leave this reference. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Have you that assurance? I would love to have that assurance of you all this morning that your name is in the book and you're present when the role is called. May the Lord take these few words about laboring in the gospel and apply them to us today.